Well, uh, the robots attacked this talking dog and a gangly dude that had this habit of using the word like at the start of every sentence. Almost as if he was some middle-aged man's idea of how a teenage hippie talks. Oh, that's Scoob and Shaggy, all right. Hello and welcome to the Dead Letter Movie Podcast. This is episode 49, recorded June 7th, 2020. I'm Tim. I'm Andrew. And we've got a double feature for you today, folks. Two new movies featuring meddling kids. Yep, both streamable, things you can watch at home. Tim and I were like, I guess we could do something that's been streamed since we can't go to cinemas still. So Yeah, yeah. They are technically allowed to be open in some places, but what would they play? Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the problem. Anywho, this is uh, we're we're gonna start with a movie that was supposed to have been in theaters, but due to uh, extenuating circumstances, is not, but mm-hmm. can be streamed in the comfort of your home. This is the uh, the new sort of Hanna Barbera movie, Scoob. Scoob, starring. A whole bunch of stunt celebrity casting. Uh, Will Forte, Mark Wahlberg, Jason Isaacs, Gina Rodriguez, Zac Efron, Amanda Seyfried, Kiersey Clemens, Ken Jeong, and a whole bunch of others. Ken Jeong was pretty good, though. I liked yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, on the face of it, this is a Scooby-Doo movie. Sort of. When you get into the movie, it's kind of not. Yeah, it's, uh, you can definitely... I really want to know the origin of this because you kind of wonder if they wanted to make a Blue Falcon movie um, and then someone was like, no one knows who Blue Falcon is. And they're like, okay, fine, we'll just throw roll Scooby-Doo into it. Or they wanted to make a Scooby-Doo movie and was like, well, we got to do something different because all the Scooby-Doo movies are kind of the same. I'm a, like a hardcore Scooby-Doo person. I have like been watching Scooby-Doo since I was like a kid, so I've seen a lot of things. I'm not going to say I've seen everything, because look up the Wikipedia page. There's so much Scooby-Doo media. There is um, so dang much. So much. But, um, you know, I was, like, I was a big fan of the show Mystery Incorporated when it was on. And um, so that said, a lot of it is the same thing. I mean, like if you've seen one Scooby-Doo movie, you've seen most of the Scooby-Doo things so chances are someone was like well if we did a scooby-doo movie we gotta do something different with it what if we made a hanna-barbera universe and apparently this is what we get out of that yeah yeah and it's it's okay it's It's okay kind of entertaining you mean it's like if i was a kid um and i I really hate like putting that kind of mm, i'm not trying to be like derisive when i say this like if i was a child i probably would be really into it the thing is this movie seems to have a problem with understanding its audience not understanding its audience what am i trying to say tim it's like it's it's not sure exactly who its audience is yeah how how old are the 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 main people for whom this movie has been made and it doesn't seem to really be quite sure because there's there's an awful lot of nostalgia play in it for you know people who you know grew up with the old Hanna-Barbera cartoons of, of which there are many 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 so many of which have been you know more or less forgotten mm-hmm. you know either either when they were brand new or when they were in syndication like when you and I were kids yep so yeah there's there's plenty of that I think you know kids coming to it fresh today are not going to have any idea who like half the air quotes main characters in this film are other than you know the the scooby-doo gang yeah like i don't really know if blue falcon and dynamut showed up in anything i think i know that boomerang has a lot of things um so there could be they existed in some form there but um 
Maybe. Uh, maybe. I have no idea. It's interesting because, like, I feel like, uh, you know, people like Tim and I who grew up with them in syndication and then in the 90s when Hanna-Barbera got kind of like a older Gen X revamp with, like, Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, and the, the Scooby-Doo direct-to-video movies, Hanna-Barbera got really self-aware and knew what they were and kind of played around with that. And there is a little bit, there's, like, a fair amount of that in this, but at the same time, it's still a kid's movie. And it's more a kid's movie than, like, a family movie if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. It's a very, yeah. very odd distinction, but yeah, that's kind of how it feels. Um, yeah. There's a, the, and mostly I just have like, there's just an abundance of a minorly, like not a, not minor, but like there's an abundance of things that are just, that just don't work. And there are things that are in a lot of kids and family movies that also are somewhat irksome when they're in good ones. So, mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they're little things for the most part, but mm-hmm. there, there are quite a few of them. Exactly, and that's the thing. It's just, it's the, but it's the little things that also make it a little bit better, like the slag hoople thing. Um, uh, I'm not going to get into the... You know, that's... that's uh, <laughs> slag, yeah. There's a reference to slag hoople, which is a uh, Wilma Flintstone's maiden name, and, you know, things like that. There's a lot of stuff like that that isn't, like, required for you to know about it, but it does make the movie better when you do know about it, which could be a problem, <laughs> technically. Like, if you need to know this stuff to make the movie a little bit better, like, that's that may be an issue. Yeah, yeah, I I agree completely. I mean, there's there's lots of that here, and it's, it's kind of neat if you already know, mm-hmm. but if you don't, it's kind of just clutter. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. It feels kind of cluttered. When I think about how the original Scooby-Doo, not original, the uh, the, the first Scooby-Doo theatrical movie, so the live-action one from 2002, that one was written by, you know, it's written by James Gunn, and there's at least, there was a R-rated draft of that at one point, and then he, I don't know if he, like, started in an R-rated, back, R-rated draft and then took it back, or if he like went with what he had but i mean like but that tells you the kind of thinking that was in that movie and that movie had its faults too but it also was very aware of what it was doing and i kind of feel like that kind of writing would have been more helpful for this even with the hanna-barbera thing but when you think about like why do so many so we technically have like three different major there's a bunch of blink and you miss it hanna-barbera references but it's basically three things blue falcon wacky races and or specifically Dick Dastardly and Scooby-Doo. And you kind of wish they just picked one of those and yeah. worked with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, e- even two might have yeah, worked. Yeah, might have worked, yeah. Yeah, this this felt like just a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, its its level of self-awareness is is off. It's like, it's, it's, it's either too self-aware to be really funny or it's it's not self-aware enough to you know really properly be tongue-in-cheek about it exactly it's 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 trying to be you know reverential and and homage and still be funny and it, it doesn't always land right and this seems to be an issue that warner brothers has been having lately with its ip stuff now you've seen more of the dc universe movies than i have but it seems like they try to throw everything all at once instead of and see what works instead of just focusing on something and making that work yeah Yeah. and that definitely happened in this movie yeah and and also it does the thing that's been kind of a problem with that i've been having lately with movies is using popular songs as like a joke or a shorthand kind of thing that and sometimes that can be okay but most of the time it just falls flat and the i remember suicide squad like 
all of that fell flat and this has a fair amount of that kind of thing too so mm -hmm. huh, it's just it just you just sigh at it there's things about it i like though um like there's just but it's all just hanna-barbera stuff like if i had not grown up with hanna-barbera i don't know if i would like it as much if at all yeah yeah i mean i found it you know mildly entertaining but mm -hmm. i mean mostly fairly forgettable i mean the the cast it's it's it really is quite a cast and mm -hmm. they turn in some decent performances but the script is just a mess it's just a mess um and that's too bad uh, yeah jason isaac as dick dastardly is actually probably the mvp of the movie yeah i mean there's some other voice work that does do really well but you're right that messiness of the script cannot really be fixed by the actors um i will admit surprising amount of uh of you know dick jokes and an f-bomb for a family movie or kids movie um and, yeah and that's, that's yeah that's that's kind of a side joke y'all um but um I think if I had seen it direct to video, I would be less disappointed in it. Um, the fact that I saw it streamable probably made me less disappointed in it. If I had gone to the theater to see this, I probably would be more annoyed. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. But the uh, the other side of that coin is that I'd have been much more likely to just give it a miss. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, no, that's the other. I don't think I would have like I. I think if this had been in the theater, I don't think you and I would have seen it. Um, no, so, prob uh, probably not. Yeah. It's weird that this is the first theatrically released Scooby-Doo animated movie. There had yeah. been, like, the Jetsons had an animated movie before Scooby-Doo did. Yeah, so, how does that happen? How does that I happen? I don't know. I mean, the Flintstones had one, too, but that was way back in, like, that was, like, in the 60s, I think, or, like... But yeah, that's, that's, that's been a while. That's been a while. So, uh, I don't know. And then, like... However, I will admit, sitting back, you know, trying to get to sleep at night, I would think about, like, well, what would the next Hanna-Barbera universe movie look like? And I joked with you about, like, Jabberjock going out west, but I decided it would make more sense if uh, Snagglepuss went out west um, and met Quick Draw McGraw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, maybe. Uh, I don't know. So there's fun things to think about, but, like, you know, I actually would see a Jabberjaw movie, I'm not going to lie, but I would see it kind of in a sense of irony than... Mm -hmm. a total desire to want to see it just you know for the sake heck this is a thing that exists how is that possible yeah i don't know it's not the worst it's not the best i'm not mad that i saw it um it's definitely not the best um it's yeah. not bad I mean, it's... but it's not good so i think that makes it a c for me yeah i'm i'm right there with you this is a pretty solid c i mean yeah if if you know the kids really want to see it yeah, okay sure mm -hmm. They may fall asleep in the middle because the plot's a little overcomplicated. Yeah, yeah. In the legacy of Scooby-Doo, there are probably worse things. Is this better than Monsters Unleashed? That's the question that people will be thinking over, I guess. It's a uh, good question. Yeah, I don't know that we can answer it. I don't know if I can answer that. So, uh, On the upside of Scooby-Doo, there are so many things that you can get into instead so that's, that's there's actually an episode of mystery incorporated that kind of falls along this sort of concept where all the scooby-doo related things from the 60s and 70s where there's a bunch of kids solving a mystery and they have the weird quirky sidekick um mm -hmm. like scooby meets up with captain caveman and speed buggy and jabberjaw and like if you can find that episode that would be it would scratch yeah. the same itch and would take less time. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's much more aware of itself. Exactly. I mean, I I went into this you know kind of expecting it to be a Scooby Doo movie, and it kind of wasn't. Yep. <sighs> oh well. Let's talk about some different meddling kids. 
718 here at WOTW. We got a sound we'd like to play that seems to be bouncing around the valley tonight. Yes, I have a story that might be helpful. I can tell you what's going on. The sound we heard out in the desert. It was coming from thousands of feet higher than anything could fly. Yeah, so uh, this is a, a slightly less new film, but it's uh, fairly newly widely available. It's played some some festivals uh, and is now available on Amazon Prime streaming. This is a, uh, a film called The Vast of Night mm-hmm. uh, by Andrew Patterson, who uh, this, this is his first film. And it's, uh, it's sort of a, a low-budget, kind of creepy, little bit paranoid sci-fi flick set in a fictional town in New Mexico yeah, around the time of the uh, the dawn of the space race mm-hmm. and uh, some some weird happenings to do with the radio. I'll be honest, you're not going to really be surprised by a lot of things that happens in this. Um, you hear 1950s New Mexico, you probably already have some like thoughts. Yeah, you're, you're probably already thinking Roswell in 47. Yeah, but you know. But, you know. Um, and you're not wrong. We, we, we will tell you that straight up. But the uh, but that's not the point. So the film is very much an homage to that kind of Outer Limits, um, Twilight Zone kind of paranoid science fiction. Um, and it's really, it does it really well, really effectively. It, it, it's also a big homage to all-time radio drama. Um, so, like, if, if anyone, I don't know, we are a podcast, so I imagine people listen to other podcasts. Like, if you're into, like, Welcome to Night Vale, you'd probably really like this. It is an audience that's very similar. And this has, like, this definitely feels like an old-time radio show. And a part of me wonders what it would be like as a radio show. But I'm still kind of glad we get to see it because there's a lot of really inventive and really neat camera work for a low-budget movie um, that's also a period piece. I mean, there's just a lot of things that this movie had going against it, and it pulls it off so well. It is a lot of talking. There's not a whole lot of action. So it is kind of like a different kind of movie than what we're used to. Um, nowadays, but it's unlike Scoob. I'm kind of sad I didn't get to see it in the theaters. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, this is this is definitely for for fans of you know Rod Serling and the old old Twilight Zone. Yeah, I, I agree. It it would have been interesting as as a an audio production because it it definitely also calls back to you know uh, Orson Welles' War of the Worlds oh, yeah. radio broadcast as well. Yes, I kind of kept thinking of Orson Welles as well. I don't know that there's a whole lot else to say about the the plot. It does play a lot of you know well-known tropes, but it executes them very well. Mm-hmm. You know, the the atmosphere is is totally on point, like you said. I I was not bored at any point watching. Neither this movie. was I. Yeah. But uh, if the it's a, it's the kind of thing that it's I can understand if you would. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely not for everybody. It is it is certainly a a slow burn, mm-hmm. uh, a much much less intentionally quick to develop. Yeah, it's it's plot and and its characters mm-hmm. and what's going on. And it's weird that it takes its time for a movie that's only like ninety minutes long. Yeah, but, which yeah. is which is hard, which is a weird thing to grasp. But um, it but it also kind of works to its favor. I feel. Yeah, I I agree. Um, cast. Yeah, you know, these are are all you know basically unknowns. You know who've who've done yeah you know, some some other things here and there, but you know nobody that you're likely to recognize no, as a really. as a big name from any other production. Nope. But yeah, it's really effective. It's um, 
it's a it's a kind of movie that I feel like um, all aspiring filmmakers should probably take a watch to see what you can do with what you have. I'm very curious to learn about the production of this just to see how we're able to pull it off. So hopefully, hopefully there'll be an audio commentary with at some point. Yeah, yeah, I'd I'd be curious for that myself as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's certainly not perfect. Oh no, it's, it's not perfect. It, it, yeah. it does have its flaws. Some are you know weird little things that are gonna stick out. You know, like a, a radio station call sign. Uh, starting with a W, even though this is supposedly set in New Mexico, mm-hmm. being west of the Mississippi, that would be a K. Okay. But it the accents really, aren't exactly right either. Yeah, yeah, but uh, the, you yeah, and I, the were... accents are, are definitely off for yeah. for being you know, almost anywhere in New Mexico. Yeah, but, but but yeah, you had a pretty good explanation for that. Yeah. So one, I'm I'm willing to forgive all of that because it doesn't really affect the story at all, and Two, this is also kind of a you know a, a Twilight Zone, Outer Limits kind of thing where it's not exactly our world. Mm-hmm. It's it's somewhat fictionalized. Things are going to be a little bit off, and so there's no reason why some of those things wouldn't also be off. And it it is fiction. It is fiction. And, you know, at the same time though, there is like a a degree of like. You do want your you do want things to be like believable at the same time. Um, yeah. However, so this is to kind of like back up your point. The film is presented to us as an episode of this thing called Paradox Theater. It's presented to, as like a as an Outer Limits Twilight Zone type show that we are watching, and the Vast of Night is the name of that episode. So like that kind of gives credence and adds more to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much so. And yeah, something else we said in our uh, you know, pre-show discussion was, you know, it would be neat to actually take the the Paradox Theater concept and it's it's sort of homage to, you know, Twilight Zone, Outer Limits and, and everything else and do that as kind of an anthology for low-budget indie sci-fi films. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. I'd be really into that. Yeah, I, I would definitely check out, you know, more stuff like this. Mm-hmm. So I, I did really enjoy this. Um, it, it does have its problems. I don't want to get too much into them because some of them have to deal with you know, how how certain events play out over the course of yeah. the film. There, th- there, I, there I, were things I found a little frustrating. There were but... things I found frustrating. Um, I think we can say that the, we neither of us were fond of the ending, but yeah. you know, like I think we can say that without going into spoilers. And it might work for other people. <laughs> yeah, in, in some ways the ending works for me, and in others it it doesn't and yeah i i think it mostly accomplishes what it set out to do and mm-hmm. you know is, is is pretty effective at it so yeah i i do recommend this film mm-hmm. it's it is definitely not for everybody mm-hmm. uh you know not not everybody's into you know twilight zone yeah and you know, if if you're not then this is not going to be your cup of tea either no. you know something else is that i i personally you know just with Everything going on in the world. This has been kind of a stressful time. This is a little bit of a stress-inducing film. Mm-hmm. It's it's creepy. It's unsettling. On on the one hand, that I think helped the effectiveness of it. I'm going to remember it more for that, just mm-hmm. because you know, those those feelings that were you know coming from the the emotional tone of, of the film as as well as you know from my my own personal life, right? Kind of you know, interplayed together. Mm-hmm. So there, there is that, but yeah, it 
yeah i i don't know how much extra stress i need in my life right yeah. now either so that that was that was kind of a thing that that came to mind at at the time i was watching well and i'm coming at it for because it, it got to me in the same sense because this is a stressful time but it ended up being a thing that made that real life stress a little bit less stressful because I was able to kind of work through a stressful situation, albeit in a fictional context, but it allowed me to feel those emotions in a safe place, in a place where I could turn it off if it got too much and, you know, and process that stuff. And I was able to like deal with it a little bit better. So I also think that it can also work the other direction for people as well. But, you know, know yourself, be aware. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like like we said, not... Not a perfect film, but is is really very effective and, and does some neat stuff with some long shots and uh, you know really pretty low budget effects that mostly just boil down to turning some lights on and off. Yep. All of that considered, and and it not being you know a film for everybody, I I'm, I want to give this a B plus. Mm-hmm. This isn't quite an A. It it's it's right there on the edge of it, but this is. This was really, really good, especially for a first effort. Uh huh. Like the the thing. Like I feel like it's probably like a B, um, solid B movie for the most part, and, and I mean grade wide. I mean it is a B movie too for its time, <laughs> for it, for yeah. what it is. But um, like it's uh, but because of the fact that this is a first movie, this is someone's first movie, and they do so well with what they have, um, it does kind of bring it up to that B plus realm. So like it's a, yeah, I think it's it's definitely worth watching. Um. It may not, it's not for everybody, but I think it's probably the better movie I've seen this year so far, and we're almost halfway through, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, having really not seen a whole lot new in theaters, you know, since, uh, since the Academy Awards a few mm-hmm. months back. Yep. Um, yeah, competition is, well, it's weird. It's weird, yeah. It's just weird. Yeah. Kind of like these movies. Yep, I wouldn't really say they work as a double feature together in this, but they at least do have meddling teenagers involved. Yeah, the, that, that's about the only thing they have in common. Um, but still, it's still fun, and they're both uh, they're both on. You're you're able to watch either of them on Amazon. Vast of Night is actually on Amazon Prime right now, so it's free if you already have it. Um, but uh, Scoob, you do have to pay for to watch in in various places. So yeah, yeah, that's that's available through you know, all the the major digital storefronts at this mm-hmm. point. Yep. Um, so yeah, I I think that's uh, I think we've about covered it. So mm-hmm. that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. And it would have been mine if it hadn't been for those meddling kids.